Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2018. This is Peter talking about Step 12. My name is Peter, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a home group, see the Melbourne Men's Group, meet on a Thursday night. You're all welcome, almost. <laughs> I'd like to uh, thank the committee for asking me to share. Um, it's a privilege. It's an honour, it's a privilege to do anything in Alcoholics Anonymous. I'd like to congratulate the Working With Others group for putting this weekend on. It's the fourth time they've done this. <clears throat> I have an enormous amount of respect for, for Christine and David. They do fantastic things in our fellowship and I, I, I like being a part of anything they do. I just think it's fantastic. I'm the 26th speaker this weekend. I have a sobriety date, 15 June 91. That makes me 26 years sober. I'm the 26th speaker and I'm 26 years sober. I'll be 27 in two months. Means nothing. <laughs> I'll throw that in there. <clears throat> the forward to the first edition, the forward to the first edition of the basic textbook of Alcoholics Anonymous says to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. And I'm pretty sure, and I've been here for the afternoon session, I would love to have been here the whole weekend, but I have family commitments, it's not possible. But I'm sure that this weekend has done exactly that thing too, to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered as the main purpose of this weekend. Because I guess you've listened to 26 people, now 26, 26 people share their experience, strength and hope on how the Alcoholics Anonymous program works in their life, in particular 12 steps. And as, um, as Garrett it's spoke so very well, both, both the speakers, fantastic, I just don't really know what I'm going to say. Um, <clears throat> But uh, the, the, the 12 steps uh, are exactly that, that it says in the, in the preface, in the foreword to the, uh, to the 12 by 12. They're a group of principles that if I practice as a way of life will expel the obsession to drink alcohol. The whole objective of the 12 steps is to enable me to have this experience, to have this personality change sufficient to recover from alcoholism. Of all the 200 black words that sits on that banner, those 12 steps, you don't need to count them, there's 200 black words on that banner. <laughs> don't ask me why I know that, but I do. Um, I've counted them several times, just to make sure. Of all the 200 words that sit on that, 12th on the, on that banner, the 12-step banner, there's only ever been one word that was changed and it was spiritual experience was, was replaced with spiritual awakening. And, um, <clears throat> and again, it's already been touched on. Every single person in this room is here as the result of 12-step work. You might think, no, big deal, a guy carried it at me, whatever. But I'm not talking about that. Let's go wind it back a little and Gareth touched on it. We are here tonight because, pe because Bill Wilson was, was a... Was a a 12-step activist, the moment that he got sober, the moment he came out of towns on about 14th of December 1934, he immediately did what Ebby had encouraged him to do. Ebby said that it was important for him to practice these principles in all these affairs, but it was especially important that he tried to work with others as Ebby had done with him. What Ebby said to him was if an alcoholic failed to enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice to others, he would not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. 
And we know what happened. We know what happened. The minute that he got out of hospital, he described what happened in his personal story. He said he was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment which almost drove him back to drink. Now, our lives at that point hung in the balance of what, what, what was he going to do? And what he did was that he went back to the hospital and he started talking to people at the hospital. He immediately went back to the Bowery and to other places and he tried to go and help other alcoholics. Now, he didn't practice doing the therapy. He didn't think that he'd sit at home on the couch and, and, and wallow in self-pity. He immediately embarked on, spiritual, on, on enlarging his spiritual, pro, his spiritual condition through that work with other alcoholics. What was the outcome? Well, it's already been spoken of. He stayed sober for six months, dragging people off bar stools, trying to drag them into the Calvary Mission, trying to take them to the Oxford groups, trying to impart upon them what had happened to him, that blinding flash of light, that spiritual wind that blew through him when he had that experience at Towns. And he was trying to convey that message to other alcoholics. And, and as it's already been pointed out, he, he had the formula a little bit wrong. But the formula that he didn't have wrong was that that work somehow kept him sober. And it kept him sober long enough until the, the proxy fight came and he had an opportunity to go to Akron and he had that opportunity to maybe head up a, a new company and be the, the CEO and he was going to be the, 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 the number one man again as he'd take control of this machine tool company that he was in a proxy fight for. And we all know what happened. It didn't work out. But before he went there, and exactly like Gareth, uh, Gareth, Gareth said, was that he went to Silkworth and, and Lois had already told him, well, you know, it worked for you, it's kept you sober. And he, de he described it as a design for living which works in rough going. And even in, in the doctor's opinion, the doctor talks about, with some misgiving, we consented and let these people come in and, and he said, the unselfishness of these men as we've come to know them and their entire absence of profit motive is, he said it was indeed inspiring to one who's laboured long and wearily in this field. He described what he witnessed when he saw people doing 12-step work. So before he went to Akron, he called in to see Silkworth and Silkworth said, my boy, you've got the cart before the horse. You need to not be jamming your spiritual experience down the throat of an alcoholic. He's going to puke it straight back up. You need to tell him the nature of the illness. Explain to them why it is both bodily and mentally that, that you are the way you are. Off you went. Lobby of the Mayflower Hotel. I've stood in that lobby to try and recreate that circumstance. What would I have done? I don't know. Would we be sitting here if it was me? Probably not. But he, but he made a commitment that he was going to try his very best to, to, if, if, to, to find somebody else to work with. And we know about the church directory and he pulls the name Tunk. It was like a piece of wood from out in the bush, whatever. And Long story, and he, Henrietta Cyberling, they end up at the, at the Cyberling mansion. And Dr Bob had made a, made a extracted a promise from Anne, I'll give this mug 15 minutes. That's it. He almost wanted his nurse to make a phone call happen so that there was some fake emergency get him out of there because he didn't want to be listening to anyone more preaching to him about his drinking. Now, 
If Bill Wilson had walked in there and started preaching to Dr. Bob about a spiritual experience, we wouldn't be sitting here either. Because for two years, Dr. Bob had been, he was a far more spiritual man than Wilson ever became. He'd been in the Oxford groups and he was far better read in the book than what Bill Wilson was. But Bill Wilson, he did exactly what Gareth said. He told him the condition of the body and the mind which which it is to be an alcoholic. But the other thing that he told him, and this was the important part, he said to him, I need you more than you need me. In other words, exactly like Gareth read from the book, Nothing so much ensured immunity for its intensive work with other alcoholics that worked when other activities failed. And that's what Wilson was doing there. He was trying to help the doctor, yeah, but he was there because it helped him. He knew that for six months he'd been working with others and it helped him. And he was there to try and see if he could help the doctor. Fifteen minutes was the commitment that the doctor gave Anne that he would give this mug didn't get there until the second day because he was too drunk the day before on Mother's Day to get there. The next day they got there, 15 minutes turned out to be six hours and 15 minutes. And again, he made the comment and, and it was read from the book. He was the first man who, expl- who, who spoke to me, not from books, not from theory, but from his own practical experience. In other words, He spoke my language. And that's what we do. The American psychologist, Carl Rogers, has has like a a one-line thing. He he almost fathered the humanistic approach to to psychology. And 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 his one line is, unconditional positive regard. And that's what the 12th step is. You see, there used to be a pamphlet around. It's not around anymore, and I don't even know if it was a pamphlet, but people used to be printed up. David would remember it, and there'd be other people here that would. And it was called AA and the Higher Power. And it talked about who God bestowed the ability to work with other alcoholics with. Not to the learned people, not to the doctors, not to the psychologists, not to the clergy, but he bestowed that that gift with a fellow sufferer because only a fellow sufferer would be able to then enable somebody else to know what it was that they needed to do in order to recover once they established that language of the heart that we talk about. One alcoholic talking to another alcoholic to to help him to take actions that he would not ordinarily take. The book is really, really clear about what I need to do. The 12 steps is having had a spiritual awakening as the result. It's the whole objective of the exercise. There's no other reason that I do the 12 steps other than to have a spiritual experience or a spiritual awakening. We know they both bring about the same result. One happens quickly, one happens slowly. What happened to Wilson was something the blinding flash of light very quickly. But he said most experiences are what... The Harvard psychologist James calls the educational variety because over a period of time, little bit by little bit, they change that that educational variety. That's called a spiritual awakening. And that's why they changed it in that 12th step. They said, you had that blinding flash of light, but we didn't. That's why in the later editions of the book, we've got the appendices in the back of 569 or whatever it is to explain 
three times it sends us back to the back of the book. If you're going to have one of these things, let's understand what it is and what it's not. It's not what happened to John Belushi in the church when he saw the light and he did handsprings down the, down the, down the, uh, down the church when James Brown was at the front of the, of the church. It's not like that. I've been in a Baptist revival church. I've seen that sort of thing happen, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about is a huge emotional rearrangement, displacement, ideas, attitudes, cast to one side and new conceptions dominate them. In other words, to have that entire psychic change that Silkworth talked about, a personality change just sufficient enough to recover from alcoholism, to be restored back to sanity, to have the ability to, to discern right from wrong, to not have that head that believes that alcohol is an answer to my problems and it's not. The sense of ease and comfort is no longer my solution. I have a new solution. Its solution is through doing these actions. And it's only by doing these actions that I get the results. A lot of people you hear them saying, and well-meaning people at that too, and, and good on them, they say, you've got to give this thing away to keep it. That's, I don't believe that at all. I don't believe it at all. You don't give it away to keep it, you get it, give it away to get it. The only way that I get this is by giving it away. I'll go one step further than what Gareth said. I don't, I don't have a moral responsibility here to, give, to, to pass the 12th step on. That's a contract that I entered when I took on the, 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 the responsibility of going through the steps, I only get the 12th step if I'm prepared to give it away. If I'm not prepared to give it away, if I'm not prepared to, to share it with another individual, it'll be taken from me. I am mandated through the experiences and through what I've achieved in Alcoholics Anonymous that the only way I get to keep it is by giving it away. I don't give it away to keep it, I give it away to get it. And by giving it away is the only way that I will get it. Everything in Alcoholics Anonymous revolves around the 12th step. And it doesn't matter which, from whichever angle you come from. Every bit of service we do, every committee that we go on, every convention we go to, every event that's ever run in Alcoholics Anonymous all has that single primary purpose. To carry the message to the alcoholic who still suffers. What's the message? Well, it's the message contained in that book. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered. That's the main purpose of the book. It's the only reason that, that Alcoholics Anonymous is what it is. To try and help the guy who hasn't yet found out how to get out from underneath where he's at. The, the, the girl, she, she said, how our, our past becomes our present will not regret the past and wish to shut the door on it. My past is my greatest asset because today that becomes the very tools that I can use in order to help somebody else identify. To help somebody else understand that you know what, you don't suffer from terminal uniqueness, you suffer from a disease called alcoholism and it has causes and conditions. And at the same time to that, there's a solution to that. And if you take these actions that look really dumb and, and not applicable to anyone who's got half a degree of intelligence, but the evidence in Alcoholics Anonymous suggests it works. See, Alcoholics, Alcoholics Anonymous is a program of attraction rather than promotion. It's an evidence-based program. I witness results and I see evidence and I know that Alcoholics Anonymous works. It tells me my job is to lay out the simple kit of spiritual tools that, are, that were laid at my feet. In every meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, that's exactly what should happen. I should not have to listen to rubbish that's got absolutely nothing to do with what I'm here for. 
Alcoholics Anonymous is a sacred place that we've got to keep pure and succinct. It needs to be a place where our primary purpose is the most important thing. I need to ensure that, it, that, the, that the words that Bill Wilson used so often are echoing in my mind all the time. And that is that we don't let the good be the enemy of the best. You have a think about this when you're at your home group and you sit in a group conscience. Or after the meeting when you're sitting around talking about how your portfolio is running. Or how your mates are going and how this and that. Have a think about how well we're carrying the 12th step. How well is our group doing that fifth tradition? How well am I carrying that message to the sick and suffering alcoholic, alcoholic that doesn't yet know the answer to, to what it is that we suffer from? This room should be full. We should be holding meetings like this at the MCG. When I got sober in 1991, you had to go and look very long and hard to find meetings where there were steps, groups and so on and so forth. In 1993, when Clancy came out here and we, we had a few little book study groups and steps groups going on around the place and there'd be a lot of people who would knock those sort of meetings. They'd say, well, don't go there and don't do this and don't do that. Well, that might work for them, but it doesn't work for me. And what Clancy described those people as, he called them the typhoid Marys of Alcoholics Anonymous because what they do is they kill more people than what they help. Mm. And I've been out of town for seven years. I've been living in Queensland, but I've moved back and I've looked in the meetings book. I great jump on AA Times and, and I have a look and there's book studies everywhere. There's steps groups everywhere. Mm. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous is, is in really, really good shape, you know? But why are the seats empty? I don't know. You guys are the winners. You guys that are here today are the people who want this thing. Dr. Bob said in one of his last, in, in his last talk, he said, <clears throat> he said, um, let's not louse this thing up. He said, let's not, let's not spoil it or complicate it with Freudian complexities which are very interesting to the scientists but have very little to do with our actual AA work. He said in, in the last, when simmered down, he said it comes to two, down to two things. He said, we all know what love is. And we, so he said, it's love and service. And he said, we all know what love is and we all know what service is. So you know what? Let's just try and do our best. And that's what, that's what Alcoholics Anonymous should be about. You know, we're all in this thing together. We're in, we're in, we're in this unique fellowship where I get a chance to, to reinvent my life to save my life. I've been gifted 26 years of life that I should never have had. And it's 26 years of life beyond my wildest dreams. I don't want to sell myself short. I don't want to sit in meetings where I, I get to hear diatribe that's not related. I get to hear outside, outside crap creep in. You know, my primary purpose is to ensure that my home group stays strong. And anything that I have to do in Alcoholics Anonymous stays pure and succinct. I've worked in the field, in one of my incarnations I thought it would be a great idea to go and work in a private uh, treatment facility. And in that private treatment facility I thought how good is this? So I've, we've got a, a psychiatrist, and we've got four or five psychologists and we've got admitting GPs and we've got all this medical staff and what a wonderful place to work and, and get paid to do this kind of stuff. And I learned very, very quickly that you cannot get paid to do God's work. This stuff we do in Alcoholics Anonymous, we do for free and for fun. You can't get paid for this. But I get paid in areas of my life that you would not believe because I do these things in Alcoholics Anonymous and I do it for free and for fun. 
You know, AA is a great place. In all my experience, and I've worked in a lot in prisons, and I've done a lot of, lot of institutional work. For seven years, I've been at a maximum security prison in, at Woodford in Queensland, where we had unfettered access to, to all divisions of that prison. And we'd go in there on a Friday, we'd do four meetings in there on a Friday, and we were in protective and all sorts of things. Fantastic work. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous is, is not for those who need it. You'd think it was. I've seen lots of people who need it in the institutions, in the private hospitals, in the, in the treatment facilities I've worked in. I've seen lots of people in, Alcoholics, in those facilities that need Alcoholics Anonymous. You'd think, well, then Alcoholics Anonymous is obviously for those who want it. Well, maybe. But I know a lot of people who want to get fit and they get a gym membership, but they don't go to the gym. I know a lot of people who want to lose weight. My best mate in Alcoholics Anonymous who died a long time ago, he wanted to give up smoking. He even had patches to give up smoking. But they were in the glove box of his car. And he said, PT, my car has not had a cigarette since. <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous is not for those who need it and it's not for those who want it. My sponsor is very, very clear about this. Alcoholics Anonymous is for those who do it. This is an action-based program. And what is it that I need to do? What it that I need to do is carry this message. Not some bastardised, changed, garbled thing that's come down the pipe after a number of years, but the clear, precise, specific clear-cut directions that are outlined in the basic textbook of Alcoholics Anonymous. To go to those guys in that prison and hopefully answer those two questions on page 44 that says, if when you honestly want to, you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, then you're probably an alcoholic. And if that be the case, you're suffering from a condition which only a spiritual experience will conquer. To enable them through identification by telling them the truth, by trying to be a person who reflects the paragraph on page 18 that I am the ex-problem drinker who has found this solution, properly armed with the facts about myself in relation to that book. Not my opinion, my self in relation to that book. If I want to be good at this, if I want to be efficient at carrying the message of Alcoholics Anonymous, it is imperative that I know my subject matter. And the only way I will ever learn and how to apply my subject matter is when I'm prepared to share it with somebody else. And the 12th step forces me to know it, to practice it, to put it into action and to ensure that the person who I'm trying to work with gets that undilated truth. I'll finish it. Dr. Bob, he synthesised it down to seven words. He said, trust God, clean house and work with others. I can get it down to one. This is for me, not for you, this is for me. But I can get it down to one word and this is what I need to do. I just need to do more. Thanks for asking me to share. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.com. 
www.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.